think that a, a driving question for me has always pretty much been the same question, which is, what's my relationship to the world? conversations with artists from around the globe about the work behind their work. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith, and not only am I the host of this podcast, but I am a choreographer and contemporary dancer based in Tangier, Morocco. Being fascinated by unique perspectives, my goal is to bring you an in-depth look at each artist's individual creative process, learning more about what it is that drives a person to create. Hey, we are finally back. It has been quite the long hiatus since season one. It was about two months ago. Um, So welcome back or just welcome if it is your first time listening to Process Peace. Um, It is really windy loud day outside in Tangier today, so there's gonna be a lot of noise in this intro, so excuse that in advance. Um, But I'm just, I'm really thrilled to be back with season two. Um, I hadn't really planned on doing seasons in the very beginning. I honestly didn't plan a lot in the very beginning of this because it's really, you know, a process as we go. Um, But I think it's gonna work out this way because having that break during the summer actually allowed me to do a bunch of in-person interviews, which was really amazing. So I traveled to Amsterdam for a summer workshop intensive, and then I traveled home back to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I'm from and where my family still is. So I did um, an interview in Amsterdam and then quite a few interviews with Minneapolis-based artists. So I'm so excited to share those with you. I hope that you have been having a wonderful summer and that the beginning of this new month, September, is not too crazy. I know it tends to be for me with the beginning of teaching dance classes, a new semester of that, um, often beginnings of new projects and everything. So it tends to be a busy time of year, but it's also exciting. I'm not going to get too into my whole what I did this summer, what I'm doing now kind of thing that, you know, I share my life and stuff on Instagram. Here, it's really about the conversations. So... I'm just gonna go straight to that. Um, Today, I am really excited to share this interview. It is with an incredible visual artist, Shauna Kaplow. It's actually a pretty crazy story. So I have known Shauna basically since I was born. Her and her husband, Steve, are really good friends of my parents. I forget how they met. It might have been at an art gallery. Anyway, they were all visual artists at the time. And so I really, grown up with her as a family friend and you know in more recently or since I've been traveling and living abroad we've seen um I've seen family friends just in general less and less but it was really amazing to meet in this context as two artists having a conversation about process but you'll I think you'll still feel that warmth of you know the family friendship in the context it was really just amazing for me to learn even more about her work, which I had you know, been seeing from a very early age and just find a, a much deeper understanding of all that goes on behind it because we, we really get into that today. So just a little bit more background on Shauna. Uh, she is a visual artist working with large scale ink on paper installation, sculpture and video. 
Her images of mass-produced household objects, most notably chairs, which we talk about, peruse the familiar and the enigmatic, confronting a society organized around ever-expanding consumption and exploitation. Her work has been featured in exhibitions and screenings at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, the Walker Art Center, the Asheville Art Museum, Franklin Artworks, Urban Institute for Contemporary Art, the Soap Factory, and so many more. She is the recipient of the Joan Mitchell Foundation Grant for Painters and Sculptors, the McKnight Visual Artist Fellowship, the Minnesota State Arts Board Artist Initiative Grant, and the Arts Midwest NEA Artist Fellowship. She lives and works in St. Paul, Minnesota, and is a professor in the art department at St. Cloud State University. This month, she actually has a book coming out, a compilation of her work and some behind-the-scenes inspiration, which we talk more about later in the episode. So in this conversation, we cover so much. That includes, but is definitely not limited to, painting as an embodied experience, the energetic quality of subject matter, ephemeral experiences of everyday objects, contradictions, opposites, and paradoxes as an important part of art and life, and also some pretty t practical tips for getting unstuck and finding more clarity in your work. Those are some pretty big topics, but we try to get as in-depth with them as possible. I was so inspired by Shauna's soft-spoken wisdom and artistic drive. We really dug deep into the meaning behind our work, and I hope you leave this conversation as inspired as I was. Here is my conversation with Shauna Kaplow. Welcome to Process Peace. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you, Shauna. Thank you. I have known you for so long, so it's really amazing to be able to talk as, as two adult artists now. It's kind of surreal. Yes, I know. <laughs> for me, it's just a normal cycle. It's so cool. I yeah. think I knew... I knew your parents before you were born, and I remember the day you were born, and yeah. I remember your, wow. your dad saying, she has ruby red lips. <laughs> yep, that is where my name came from. I love telling that story. <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah, it's really incredible. Um, well, you knew me as a child, but I didn't know you as a child, obviously, so I like to go back to people's childhood um, to start the interview. So I would like to know, what is your first memory of creating something? Hmm. Um... The act of drawing comes to mind. My mom was a painter, mm. and I grew up around painting and art, and she had a studio in her house, and mm. so it's probably pre-memory that yeah. I, you know, somebody threw art supplies or paper and pens or crayons or something in front of me. Mm. Um, but so my whole childhood is, uh, you know, that was an activity that I did just all the time. It's yeah. a normal thing. Yeah. Wow, amazing. So art had a really strong presence, I think, in your mm -hmm. upbringing then. Yep, definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and I always loved it and felt sort of um, both at peace but kind of hungry when mm -hmm. I was making drawings, even as a kid, I remember that. Yeah. And um, I think that's still how I feel. You yeah. Know? It's like I there's always something I want that I haven't quite gotten to yet, mm. but that pulls me along and it's so exciting and interesting yeah, I remember feeling that as a kid yeah so is it kind of that hunger for what more can I do with this blank slate or how would you describe that yeah I think um I think it's it's like a question of what can this do or what what can I do with this or how good mm -hmm. how good can it be or how interesting can this process be yeah um like a question about that mm. you know not knowing where 
that moment is, right. you know, or where it's going to come from. Um, I mean, I didn't have that sophistication as a sure. kid. Sure, <laughs> yeah, it's the but reflection back on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thinking about that, like, you know, mm-hmm. seeing examples and growing up going to a lot of museums and things like that and yeah. and having a sort of sensual um, awareness of real art, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that pulled me into yeah. it. That's a really special way, I think, to grow up. I mean, I also grew up similarly, just mm-hmm. always seeing art, always being surrounded by it. And it really, it shapes your whole perspective. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Also, the sense of, and this came later, not mm-hmm. in my childhood as much as maybe adolescence or young adulthood, where it, um, the sense of freedom as a lifestyle, you know, or as a, mm. a I don't want to say lifestyle, but as a way of life or a, yeah. a sense that, um, there is an arena that isn't um, that nobody can tell you from the outside hmm. what it needs to be, and that was a real pull too. Wow! For me. Yeah. yeah. What do you think gave you that sense of freedom? Because I'm not sure every artist has that necessarily. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess it was a sense that you know, learning about other artists and seeing my mom doing her work mm-hmm. was. It became clear that there was no sort of map exactly to mm. follow when you're making artwork and that um, you get to figure it out and you get to try stuff and there's no I mean there are rules actually as a teacher I right do, I do talk about rules and breaking rules and right creating yeah. your own rules and all of that yeah which I exactly think we do all of those things yeah and you studied um, art as well mm-hmm. correct yeah. I did and I did in a way yeah. and I didn't in a way oh, okay. but I can talk about that too if you yeah want. yeah I'm curious but, about that but yeah I think it was a sense of freedom that um Nobody else could tell me exactly what to do that I was attracted to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I can relate to that 100%. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do you mean when you say you did and didn't study art? Well, so I grew up with my mom, who was mm-hmm. a painter, and also yeah. she taught part-time okay. painting and drawing, mostly to adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so she taught me things here and there, or I absorbed through mm-hmm. osmosis, um, but I was also kind of determined not to be a painter. Okay. Because I wanted to do something different than right. my mom. Um, but ended up being a painter <laughs> anyway. <It's>, yep. <laughs> um, but so I did, I did major in art as an undergrad, but I really didn't want to be, again, I, was like, I didn't want to be told this is how you have to make art and I just kind of wanted to discover it myself and so I my path through that undergraduate degree was very much like where were the most independent experiences that I could have Mm. in the the art program I went to Connecticut College which was a great great school and a great art department yeah but very free and not a heavy duty instruction in a way Mm. so it was I was enjoyed that like I just I didn't want to uh, I felt like I I had seen a lot already and I was ready to explore you know right yeah and um, sometimes schools can almost hinder that I mm -hmm. think I've been having a lot of conversations actually Mm -hmm. with my mom about Mm -hmm. this lately because I didn't finish school and so many people especially here in the Midwest seem to kind of say oh but and you know soon you'll get your degree you know someday you're gonna get your degree and I say well do I really need to I mean 
I've seen so much and I've done so much and there's still more to see and do and you don't necessarily need that structure of an institution and right. it sounds like you sensed that but were able to navigate within the institution kind of yeah exactly what you and wanted to explore and there's things I regret about that yeah? I will say also like okay. I do regret not kind of hunkering down and learning some skills that ironically now I teach okay oh funny <laughs> and had to learn yeah. on my own in a way right it I, is harder I ended yeah. up teaching so I think how one's life progresses and how that dovetails with your personality and what you enjoy doing and then realize I had to realize that um I didn't know everything I mm-hmm. thought I knew and while I did have this like incredibly driven kind of spirit to explore and find my own way as an artist yeah I also I think I was lacking some skills that just technical skills right even, that um I had kind of circumnavigated okay yeah learning. so Absolutely. it's an interesting balance and you it know, is. I tell I talk yeah. to students about that now I'm like you know yeah you may not know now everything that you're going to need to know later right but we're here you know for you to to kind of develop as broad a range of skills as you can. Right, you get know. that technical base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody finds their own way through that. Yeah. And, and when I went to grad school, I went to um, an interdisciplinary, open-ended program as well. Okay. You know, so yeah. I kind mm-hmm. of kept choosing these mm. um, places where I, there was guidance and there was community but there wasn't necessarily like a hardcore top-down okay instruction right and um I that was good for me yeah but I am also a really motivated self-learner yeah. so I think I that like, helps I think I need to know that the skill I'll go fit, find out how to do right that. exactly you know? so I think knowing oneself is important yeah that is the key that's yeah. true. Well, I think that also has allowed you to really develop a very distinctive voice as an artist because your, your work really has a distinctive voice to it and a unique perspective. And so I'm just curious about how, what your perspective was as an artist when you were younger and maybe how that has developed and how you've developed that voice. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I, think, I think that a, a driving question for me has always pretty much been the same question Hmm. which is what's my relationship to the world okay around me and that question has remained the same but my understanding of it has shifted as I've grown yeah and that makes sense so you know the originally was really personal you know like who am I Mm -hmm. because before I can figure out my relationship to the world I have to know who I am in the right. first place yeah. so a lot of that uh, early work was auto- very autobiographical and mm. um, you know I started making I think in college some of my early I did printmaking and some of my earliest prints was you know one of my mom one of my dad right and and then some other things things that were exploring art and science which is my dad was a scientist and my mom was an artist so I was very much like who are we you know who are we as people and how do I relate to that um and then I started exploring ideas about the body Mm -hmm. because the next step was you know yeah I'm female right and so (laughs) I have what does that mean well it's a designation of a body type in a sense so I uh, or is it, you know, I mean, yeah, it's all, or obviously it exactly? multiple things, cultural, yeah. societal, mm. 
physical and mental and yeah. emotional and all of those things. So so I explored the female body in my work and, mm. and what it meant to be female to me. Yeah. And how the body was a way that I interacted with the world. Right. That's something so it I think just we, keeps evolving. Yeah. yeah, we have that in common. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's something you always, I think just as a woman, it's something you always have to move through eventually. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not, I mean, it's not something you can deny you are a female. And I think right. a lot of female artists do end up exploring that in their work in some way or another. I definitely went through a phase where that was really the central work of, the central point of all of my dance work. Right, and, right. Yeah, and I maybe was, now it's kind of dispersed a little bit more, but yeah. yeah. Well, and I was thinking about dance, actually, from looking at your oh, site yeah. and some of your work, too, and that, that how, I mean, with dance, it so obviously relates to the body. Right, yeah. Um, and how you move through space and how you interact with others and the world around you mm-hmm. in a very physical way. And I was thinking yeah. about how that kind of, um, sen- the sensuality of the body, the sensation of being in a body... Mm. is is just such a fact of yeah dance which I, I i feel like it is the same in painting yeah but it's not as obvious but that's that's yeah. sort of how i approach painting too. well i was gonna say i yeah. see that in your work mm-hmm. because there is this kind of spatialness mm-hmm. about your work mm-hmm. you know you have this object and then you have this negative space and this kind of presence around it right and it does feel almost full-bodied in a sense and I mean I know you do installations as well and mm-hmm. that also adds to the different dimensions of it and right. yeah well, that's I, a cool description yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> yeah, I, I think about that a lot like mm-hmm. how how does the viewer interact with the work even mm-hmm. though it might it's not kinetic, it's not... I mean, sometimes I do video, which is in motion, right, but yeah. it's, the work itself is, is, you know, hangs on the wall like mm-hmm. any other painting. But um, but thinking about how does it activate the space is really right. important to me. Yeah. yeah. And also the idea of um, being embodied in the work as okay. I make it, you know, so that my the movement I go through in making the work whether it's really meticulous and careful Mm. or whether it's more gestural and you know physical and I do both um that's really important to me that the mark is embodied it's not okay it's not just a mechanical image I'm making it's right that you're very present when you're making it Mm -hmm. yeah hopefully yeah it's not (laughs) obviously not always the case no yeah that's an ideal state I think but yeah Right, right. Like that there's some energy that I'm mm-hmm. trying to transfer and hold within the work, mm. which I imagine yeah, dancers I love that. think about. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I love that applied to painting as well because painting is, I think it's quite foreign to me. I've dabbled in it here and there, I guess, but I never felt very good at it and very... I enjoy it, but I never felt drawn to it as a kind of an artistic outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just interesting for me to hear that because I can't quite imagine what the process what the process physically is like mm-hmm. as you're making that art and as you're channeling some sort of artistic energy. So, right. yeah, that's yeah. really interesting that there are those parallels. It's, <laughs> it's the material. Yeah. Way, you know, yeah. the material becomes the container for that energy mm. that your body has manipulated. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you work with, mm-hmm. f- like, physical objects in your paintings mm-hmm. as well. And so do you... Do you see those as kind of the 
the I don't know the forms that hold the energy or what does that signify to you because I see you work with a lot of chairs and then a lot of kind of little knickknacks and mm-hmm. yeah I'm just I'm just curious a little bit more about yeah. the thought process behind yeah, that definitely. where that came from subject matter yeah <laughs> I, I think um yeah it's funny the chairs sort of intermittently started appearing in my work really out of you know just sort of painting things in my surroundings mm-hmm. and then well and I also painted the figure a lot and Mm -hmm. so the chairs were an obvious sort of metaphor for the figure of the body they be you know the architecture of the body is the reason chairs are designed Mm, designed. and um and the empty chair you know is also has a kind of poetic Mm -hmm. holds space yeah it's like yeah it's like a a space holder Mm -hmm. Um, a memory or a sense sensation of um, a presence that we're not seeing Mm. and I think that that idea is really interesting to me even when I'm not painting chairs that like this (laughs) idea of um, sensing but not seeing some presence or some and it's not like about ghosts or anything it's more like um, that there are histories and stories behind the scenes. Right. And in, in a social sense, in a political sense, in a, mm. an emotional sense. So that became really interesting to me, mm-hmm. um, that the chair or other household, kind of just ordinary household objects could become um, kind of uh, spatial edges for stories that, might be hidden or invisible mm. to me or I might be trying to make visible to myself um, okay. through maybe a psychological quality or a sense that maybe something's not as it seems right you know? yeah yeah I was actually I was doing a little bit of research before this interview and I came across um, an interview you did with PBS I think in oh, 2015 yeah. Yeah. so it's a while ago now <laughs> but there's just a quote that I really loved from it that I jotted down so you said um, we live in these very concrete environments and at the same time we're carrying around a very ephemeral experience mm-hmm. and that I think relates exactly to what you're saying I think that was about a specific exhibition that you were doing but it, I think that it seems to carry across all of your work. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's definitely something I'm interested in is those, the sort of simultaneity of these things that seem um, opposite from yeah. each other. You know, that like we can be so focused on the physical world, mm-hmm. um, but really we're all having these really active internal kind of interior lives yeah. as well interiority is a phrase that I've been hearing lately mm-hmm. but I mean like thinking about where is that place how would we identify where those things meet the right. interior world and the external world and, yeah um, and how are we affecting how are they affecting each other right you know and how do we bridge that as well because mm-hmm. I think that can be tricky right. yeah right so how do you see art as a way to bridge that gap oh I well I think of it I think art can function first of all on multiple levels at once Mm -hmm. which um is something that I realized pretty young like I remember actually seeing an exhibition when I was about nine or ten um where that idea just became really clear to me really looking at um 
uh, this is in my little book as well. Oh but yeah, like yeah. looking at a Linda Benglis show mm-hmm. um, where she created these poured sculptures. They're out of some foam, plastic foam type mm-hmm. material that hardens, and she made these giant poured objects wow. that hung off the wall as if they were kind of lava flows or something coming out of the wall. Yeah. And I remember seeing those as a kid and just being so transfixed that this thing. Mm-hmm looked so much like it was moving or in motion but it was frozen in time yeah. and and it held both of these kinds of ways of being at the exact same time okay. like it was com- it was completely still and solid and you know a, a sculpture and it was in motion somehow wow. and it was magical to me and yeah. um, it made me i just felt like i understood that like mm. that was something i already had a feeling about that's amazing yeah. there it was kind of alive in this abstract sculpture so yeah um yeah so that idea of um meeting these opposite things in the same body or you know the mm-hmm. internal the interior world and the exterior exterior world or um the personal and the political and all of those yeah you know, sort of by now almost feels cliche to say but no, I think but still very important yeah they're you know, important to talk to about to realize that they're interconnected that, exactly you know, so I think art can speak on a kind of poetic or psychological level yeah about those things like what it feels like to right. experience that rather than you know a little literal description right yeah mm-hmm. yeah it can because people have the power I think to interpret for themselves what that means to them it might right. be the same concept but just a different perspective of it right absolutely yeah and, or something completely different. or yeah that yeah. happens too <laughs> that right. does happen i had a piece that i made once all about belonging and someone said oh so that was about um, a teenage pregnancy right. and I was like, oh, interesting take you know <laughs> so it happens too <laughs> Um, yeah, it's well, funny. it's all a mirror. It is exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure what that mirrored in that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No art is reflective in that way. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I always think of it like, I, and I talk to my students about this, that we we it's not always about you know communicating an exact set of ideas that is then received in that same exact way. Right. And. Um, and if it doesn't, you failed somehow. I, I think mm-hmm. what is, what's the springboard that you're, that engages each of us to get to the next step or next decision? You know, it's right. all a series of decisions. You mm-hmm. know, you've got, you want to make something, what are you starting with and what is your first step? Right. You know, and then what's the next step? Yeah, exactly. So there's stories that propel us, like those, what I've been talking about is propelling me into my own work. And there's mm. multiple stories and layers of things, and I can talk about millions of different yeah. things that propel that set of decisions. But in the yeah. end, it's just a set of moves I made. Right. And you may bring some very different set of relationships to right. that work. And, you know, yeah. I just hope it's compelling. Yeah, you know, that, exactly. that's all I can really Exactly. Well, there's two things I want to go off of about that but I'll start with one um which is, you're talking about the different steps and mm-hmm. I'm so I'm curious about what if you have kind of a first step when you're starting a new project mm-hmm. is there any kind of ritual that starts it or is there always is it started by an idea or more of a form or how does that start for you or maybe it's different for each project right right I've you know I've thought about this and I never have a very clear answer but I 
think, I'm trying to check with myself, is this true? Mm-hmm. Um, often I start with a sensation of something I want to see or feel mm. in the work, which is formal often. Okay. You know, like yeah. I want I want to make something really clean and crisp, or okay. I want to make something really juicy and and gestural and lots of movement, mm. or oh, I want to see something re- with you know reds. Okay. Or I want it to feel shiny, or like so. These yeah. are just very so kind of very texture, physical. Yeah sensations Mm. um that often are kind of impetus but then i also often will have um you know an idea like um like the the body of work i'm just starting that i'm working on Mm -hmm. i it's going to be a large group of smaller paintings that that hang together at least this is at the moment yeah like a cloud of images on the wall that all hang in one sort of group beautiful and I, what the sensation that I really want is I want it to be really lush mm-hmm. and sensual, but I also want there to be really mechanical aspects in the work that mm-hmm. are like I'm actually painting images of robot like oh, really? robot workers that may, manufacture wow. objects. Yeah, um, interesting. But also <laughs> other things that feel very fluid or bodily or yeah. more warm and sensual too and I want to clash things together and I want to like have this sort of overlapping of this um spectrum of okay between the two yeah. within the work like so that's the idea really yeah. it's not very developed yet but it's, okay that's the impetus for the work mm. and so from there you know I've yeah. got a couple of key it's almost like keywords or something right. where like oh I've got the, like I can go back to those to say, what do I want to do next? Yeah, you know, or what? What do I need more of? Or what? Mm. How's it feeling now when I start seeing it coming together? Yeah, that's nice because then you have the core of the work, mm-hmm. I think, and it doesn't take you too far off on any tangents, and you can always come back to that core. Right, I think right. that's important to have, and I can build tangents. Right, into you the can. Work, yeah, which that's really important to me actually mm-hmm. is to set up the parameters of my work so that there's room. For variation within it, right? You know, and that, yeah. like that's something I really consciously decided at a certain point. Yeah, because I, I went through a period of time when I was painting very. Um, I got more, and I started abstractly, which is unusual. Okay. Most oh, really? artists start trying to achieve representation, right? Yeah, but I think because I, I grew up with a painter mom and knew some sort of art history and mm. you know I was interested in abstraction and okay. gesture directly and movement. yeah that was where I started so I kind of ended up working my way to representation okay backwards from a lot of yeah, people yeah that's really interesting and I got so into it that I felt restricted by it like okay I painted myself into a corner where <laughs> it was like literally you know every stroke would had to be seamless mm. and you know it, it got really just tedious. Yeah, yeah. So then I realized, like, wait, I want both. I want to be able to do both things. Right. Depending on how I feel that day, I yeah. can paint at the wall and get paint everywhere and splatter myself with it. Or yeah. I could sit at a table and work really carefully and with a lot of control. Mm. So... That's, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. You can go through kind of different states of mind and mm-hmm. wherever you are, your work meets you there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, how do I feel today? What right. What do I want to do? And it 
hopefully it can all make sense conceptually within mm-hmm. the body of work, which I think it is part of the idea right. of the work. I'm just curious, technically, do deadlines or anything like that ever restrict that process, or do you feel pretty open with it? Well, deadlines always light a fire under yeah. me, for sure. <laughs> and it's often a race against time mm-hmm. when I have a deadline. I think I have a habit of envisioning more than I can really do in a time frame that I have. Okay, So yeah. then I'm always, like, rushing yeah. to the end to complete it. Yeah, to, exactly. Um, so, but it does, I mean, deadlines are great. Yeah, you need them sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Otherwise, we might not finish anything. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It true. helps me encapsulate in a way too. Mm, you know, yeah. there's a reason for this body of work. There's a place it's going. I mean, having a specific architectural setting in mind mm-hmm. is really important for yeah. my work. So I, um, when I have that, it's a real gift. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, I'm working with that in my mind, even. You know, so a specific gallery space before. or mm-hmm. okay interesting right like oh the walls are 16 feet tall so that's actually going to affect the yeah. work that I make for okay that space. that's cool I I wanted to ask a little bit more about the process because I really sure. see the creative process as it's something that's kind of secular you know there's always peaks and there's low points and it's always kind of going up and down so I'm just curious what are kind of your creative highs and then what are the lows what are the challenges that Mm -hmm. you have to work through that you kind of find coming up in each process Mm -hmm. well the creative highs are when things are really rolling and Mm -hmm. um, I'm just in the work and I'm not thinking too much about it I mean I you know for me there's always there is always um Maybe I'm kind of hard on myself with asking myself, why am I doing oh, okay. this? Yeah. And questioning myself quite a lot. Right. Um, so when I can get a break from that and mm-hmm. actually just trust the work or trust myself, really, yeah. uh, is is the high point, you know? Yeah. And, and I often get there at some point with each project or body of work. Yeah. Um, that's and that, important. That's the goal, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's what we're aiming for. Oh, I'm trusting myself, and I don't even have to worry yeah, about it. Yeah, that's um, great. And that I had that experience with the last uh, show that I did, mm-hmm. which I think was kind of a quirky show, and I really loved the way that um, all these sort of natural synchronicities kept mm-hmm. happening in the work, like echoes of things. Yeah. Um, without me even realizing I was doing it, because Amazing. I was just doing the work right which one was um, that Just this so was curious. at Rosalux uh last summer so the summer of 2018 okay so that when that happens is really great yeah. but I have to say it's not always the norm I mean for right. me it's the the challenge is yeah. the other side of that which right. is you know trying to get to that okay yeah <laughs> and how are, do you have ways of trying to get to that when you're struggling with it like, do you um, have any kind of tools that you fall back on you know, I don't have any like rituals or tricks mm-hmm. in particular. Um, it's different things help when I'm stuck. But the main thing is to just keep working. Mm-hmm. You know, just like just keep trying. Just yeah. try this, try that, and to not um, over doubt myself or, yeah. or to you know to expect um, understanding 
too soon mm. in my process. And yeah. that's something I've learned over time. I feel like only, I mean, I'm in my 50s and maybe mm-hmm. recently have realized that it's okay to not, for it to not all make perfect sense. And in fact, right. that's maybe useful. Right. Um, and yeah, if anything, I've probably spent too much time making things make sense. Hmm. You know? Okay. Um, but so st- just staying with the work and keeping on trying things and experimenting. And hmm. um, there's a an artist who I love. Her work is um, Judy Glantzman okay. in New York. And she was a visiting artist at a residency that I was at once. Yeah. And she did an artist talk and said um, in her studio, she, I want to remember exactly how she said it, it was <laughs> so good. Something like, Every, every possible idea is something worth trying or something mm, like that. Or okay. Every idea she has in the studio, she proceeds yeah. with openness to it. Mm, and yeah. I thought, wow, really? Yeah. That's like, I, I have so many ideas. I'm like, oh, yeah. here's an idea. No. Oh, here's an idea. No. I know. Here's an idea. <laughs> no. I even write no in my sketchbook <laughs> really? after I've written something down, and then I'm like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I love her. That's really interesting. You know, just, I mean, just the idea of that, like, yeah, mm-hmm. why not try it? Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, not, it's true. There's it's play at a certain point. Yeah. yeah. So that that is helpful, just kind of mm-hmm. like a, a attitude shift when I yeah. get stuck. Um, but other things like, looking at my wonderful collection of art books mm-hmm. and going out to see an exhibition or inviting somebody into the studio yeah. to have a conversation. Yeah, like <laughs> exactly. Um, that can help. At one point I realized I was going through a period where I was applying to a bunch of things and I wasn't really clear what I was doing in my mm. work and things weren't really flowing that well. And um, I just really consciously sat down and said okay what do I want out of this particular job I do yeah you know here I am in this little room making things that (laughs) may or may not ever leave this room right (laughs) right exactly a little bit existential yeah exactly (laughs) yeah spending a lot of time and money right sacrificing things to do this what do I why am I doing it what do I want from this um and I realized that what I wanted was to be in dialogue mm. with others yeah. and somehow the kind of dialogue that happens through art is really interesting to me it is yeah and so I realized that and I was like well why am I why am I banging my head against the wall <laughs> sending off stuff to people who I don't even know mm-hmm. when I could just have some people I know and like and respect into the studio and talk to them yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and that's true uh, not that applying for things is bad because that right. is necessary. But um, so I started doing that and, and had some great conversations with fellow artists and mm. and it just started everything back up again. That's like, amazing. So I went from feeling really stuck to actually seeing some, you know, possible directions to take in my work and uh, you know, things were flowing and questions, mm-hmm. interesting questions were coming to me and all of a sudden it was like not an issue anymore. Yeah. And I just, it developed into new work and amazing. started applying to things again and we started getting some few, a few of them and, yeah. you know, it just wow. kind of, yeah. so 
talking to people. The power really of conversation. Helpful. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think that's so valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting because I know I read that in your work, you also talk a lot about identity versus, or um, uh, the individual versus the kind of the mass mm-hmm. and the connection. And I'm just interested in that in your work and how how it plays out because it seems to be kind of maybe a sense of belonging versus mm-hmm. belonging to a community and yeah I don't know right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I have really a specific is. question but no, I just I'm I'm personally very interested in that theme yeah um, me too yeah I think it's um, and it's a really interesting segue from talking about conversation right too I think yeah and I think. I think one of the things that compels me a lot is our paradoxes, mm. you know, mm-hmm. things that like puzzles that I can never quite settle on. And I remember, yeah. you know, growing up, my dad was a physicist and physics professor. And, and um, you know, like one discussion was, is light a particle or a wave? You know, mm. that, like this debate about what well, yeah, has qualities of this and it has qualities of that. And, you know, it can't be both, mm-hmm. but it sort of maybe is both, and that's later what I think they've yeah. kind of come to that it does it is both. Yeah. Um, and I love that where mm-hmm. something can be really have really different, seemingly opposite qualities, but is actually happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think of you know our collective that way too so Mm -hmm. we are all individual I mean this is very obvious but we're all very individual and yet we are all interconnected and Mm -hmm. um and we move in these interesting ways and there's even studies Mm -hmm. you know about movement among groups you know like if you look at birds moving or you know they've studied people crossing the streets in Manhattan right the movement of people crossing the street in Manhattan is similar to the movement of birds when they're flying and mm, shifting a, wow. a directional path or, you know, things like that where there's a, there is a whole mm-hmm. that's made up of these multiple parts right. and each part has its own will yeah, and yet is connected to the movement of the whole. So that, that's fascinating to me just yeah. like as a structural idea. Me too. And also as a kind of philosophical metaphor, I guess. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my work is made up of smaller parts and, you know, that that relates to the idea of how the work acts in a space as well. Right, as a whole, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I, I would love to have more opportunities to really work in a space where I could, you know, choreograph in a sense yeah. you know the whole of what's going on I've had yeah. a few really amazing chances to do that that's great um but yeah so and and so in growing up in the states the idea of the individual is really such a heavy important I, idea yeah. and um you know we adopted our daughter who was born in China right. and we spent some time in China and there's no simple you know, I, I could never say I have any handle on Chinese culture or society sure. at all because it's way more complex yeah. than I ever could um, imagine or understand. <laughs> right. Not being from there. Um, but there are differences yeah. in terms of how um, people identify. And I became interested in the idea of group identity versus mm-hmm. individual identity. And right. I think as a country, we're really struggling with that and grappling with that yeah um that's related to the chairs even in my Mm. work in in thinking about just how uh 
we think of each other as separate. Right, you know, exactly. And how are they manufactured and how do they come to us? And mm-hmm. they're these surrogate bodies in a way. Yeah, oh, that's really mm-hmm. interesting. It's just, it's something that I think about a lot too, living in Morocco where community mm-hmm. values are really mm-hmm. strong. And like you said, you know, I'm, I'm still a foreigner living there, so I can't mm-hmm. grasp the complexity of the culture. But I do know that community is really valued over mm-hmm. the individual on, a, on just kind of a cultural, general level. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, my husband, Marwan, he notices that he, he's always saying, you guys are so individualistic, you know, everyone's just always thinking of themselves all the time. And oh, now I'm seeing it through his eyes as well. And I'm feeling the contrast. And it's, it's hard because I think we need something in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to be able to express yourself as an individual and have that exploration. But the community is also so important. And mm-hmm. I think that is what we've kind of lost. And I think that art's trying to bring it together mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's complex. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think these are really important questions. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a tension between those different forces. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, certainly we don't want to be a completely conformist culture where we right. have no freedom and no free will and no sense of uh, specificity. Yeah, of course. It's hard to feel excited about right. life in that kind of world. But at the same time, what would it mean to think about each other more? Mm-hmm. Or to, you know, to really, I don't know, to really um, think beyond just self-interest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so complex. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I think art can grapple with these questions the way like a poem can Mm -hmm. and that it it's part of a bigger set of disciplines yeah trying to work our way through these questions right you know I mean and maybe in other cultures art has more power I don't know I don't know (laughs) I'm not sure (laughs) I think maybe it's just individuals art and Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know how much integrity it's made with Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know. And, and I think we're both in the arts because we've mm-hmm. had experiences of being, being really moved by it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've definitely had experiences where I, you know, felt called to a deeper understanding mm. of myself or the world. And that right. was really valuable. So, like, yeah. I mean, it's like blind faith that yeah. maybe if I participate in this activity, it will help perpetuate that. Right, <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, it is, yeah, it's interesting. It's the second time faith has come up. And I mean, I had a whole conversation about faith in my last uh, episode that came out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's a really strong force in art. Mm-hmm. And that's another side of it too, is just having faith that, okay, this is going to put something out into the world. And I hope it's something that's going to connect people more. Right, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Do you, I mean, we've already addressed this a little bit, but just putting it into more, I don't know, clarity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you hope people take away with after experiencing or viewing your art? Hmm. Well, one thing that I hope for is that people feel um, an engagement in their own experience. Hmm is how I would put it yeah. and, um, and that the act of making something that hasn't existed exactly that way before mm-hmm. means that anyone looking at it might recognize that in themselves too that they can 
not that everyone has to be a creator of art, no, but, but but that um, they can have their own thoughts. Yeah, you know, they can they can manipulate something in their world to reflect hmm. themselves somehow, and in a way that's generous. I hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope that my work feels generous. I mean, yeah. I think my work also. Um, like I read this this statement and I have it on my office door that yeah. and I can't remember the name of the person that said it but it it's um, art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Mm, I think I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I can look great... up who said it if yeah. you want. But I love that mm-hmm. and or and I love the idea maybe that you know a particular painting could do both. Yeah, you know, definitely. <laughs> like that would be yeah. a goal of mine. I don't yeah. know that I do that, but um, you know, there's something always just a little bit at odds in my work. I think, mm-hmm. and yet I know it's also has a, a lot of beauty, and you know, the materials yeah. are sensuous, and there's a, a kind of care yeah. put into it that. Um, I mean, I'm mentioning that because people have said that to me. I, yeah, it's no, always I, hard for me to tell. I, I understand, <laughs> yeah. Well, I agree. <laughs> but so the, the sort of like beauty and pain maybe yeah. are working at the same time. Um, so that I hope maybe it activates whatever is needed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it you also know? sounds like that same kind of freedom that you were talking about that you felt early on mm-hmm. with your art, that's also something you want to pass on. Mm-hmm. And I would assume through your art and through Definitely. your teaching. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and working with young artists where I know a huge stress is like, how are they going to make a living? And right. you know, how do they move forward with um, you know, a degree in something that mm-hmm. is not really recognized by a lot of yeah. you know, job providers, let's say. Right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Maybe for its you know, for good reason, because it doesn't fit into a box very neatly, yeah. you know. It's hard to put, that. yeah, it's mm-hmm. hard to, it's very difficult, I think, to put art into that, mm-hmm. but, but like you said, it is important to have that technical base, and mm-hmm. I think that's what, that's what it's proof of in the end. Right, right, and to, to be able to pair that with thought, you mm-hmm. know, thinking, and I mean, I think art is, um, a very conceptual activity Mm -hmm. actually as much as I talked about physicality and sensuality it's it's also a conceptual um job I feel like and it it contemporary art especially Mm -hmm. you know it's um it's both and yeah both the contradictions yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that's great. Well, what are you working on at the moment? Just to talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I just finished working on a book mm-hmm. of, of my work that has been a long process of over a year um, or more, actually, maybe mm-hmm. almost two years. It's right in front of and us. It's, yeah, the, the mock-up is right here. Yeah. And it's actually going to be released in September. So it's coming oh, soon. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> this is perfect so timing stay then. stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be announcing that when, I, when I know the timeline. But, yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that, and I've learned so much, and it's a totally new and different process for me. Yeah. Um, I did some uh, design, um, what do I want to call it, like digital collages for the book mm-hmm. and some work in, in there that doesn't exist in, in the real oh, okay. world. Yeah which is nice and then it's, it's also 
yeah, also some finished work and images of past work and work in progress and studio shots and things That's like great. that. Um, so that I've been mostly is what I've been working on, but I've also started this new body of work mm-hmm. um, that I'm thinking of as um, a kind of uh, mashup in a way of mm-hmm. uh, like looking at some new forms that relate to the way that um, we tend to exploit each other mm. for labor and and profit and um, and yet it's such an ordinary you know all the objects and things that that mm. I use intimately in my life are produced in this way right and where do they come from and whose lives have been related to those objects mm. and what are the conditions of their life and my life and um, you know, what are these kind of hidden stories? Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. Do you do a lot of research around your work? Um, I do a fair amount, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I, I mean, there are many artists who have a literal research-based practice. And I I don't think that I'm one of those artists. Um, But I do read a lot and, um, you know, my work is based in my experience and Mm -hmm. other experience and so all that to say it's I hope that it's related to the real world yeah yeah right well it's your personal experience supported by other perspectives and Mm -hmm. right external factors right right Right. yeah that makes sense yeah well it's all very exciting yeah um well I have a couple questions that I always kind of ask near the end um so Mm -hmm. I'm just curious if you have any daily rituals or routines that help support your artistic life hmm. it can be really I tiny of, things i wish i did but yeah. i don't so many I people say that do. i know it's like yeah. i have this fantasy that i'm gonna turn into a different person and I'll yeah be like, i'll wake up and i'll have like my candle ceremony and then i'll do my yoga practice you know right like, no, I, I know don't do, i don't do any we all wish that <laughs> it's I, so true i don't know i i I don't even have a regular studio schedule, okay. really. Yeah. I mean, it, it go, comes and goes in waves. It depends on other things in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm actually... Um, I feel like soon I'll be entering a new chapter of my life where I'll have mm-hmm. more openness and, okay. and actually more control over how my time is spent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been a parent and I've been a care, caregiver right. to my mom and... A teacher and, and and an artist I just feel like just making the work and getting the work out is, has been more than a full-time yeah job with the other things I've absolutely so yeah. that's but, a lot of roles to juggle mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it it has been and it's been great and yeah and and I'll probably be entering a uh, more open time so yeah I'll let you know all right and maybe Stay you can tuned give me some that. ideas for rituals sure. well I'm, I'm not honestly I'm not great at keeping them up either I have little things but they're I mean they're very minimal so I check yeah. Instagram is that a ritual there you go yeah <laughs> that could work it's, yeah the, the social media has, has ruined us all oh I know well ruined and connected well, at yes, the same time right. I, know. I mean it's, so many of the artists that I've it's interviewed true. on here, I met through Instagram, so it can yeah. also be a beautiful connector. You're right. You're yeah, right. there's it, both sides, but it also, it ruins a lot it's too. It's so. a paradox. It is, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we just have to allow that to exist, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. be mindful of how we use it. Exactly, that's yeah. it. Yeah. 
Well, I also like to know um, if you have any interests outside of outside of your work. Um, mm-hmm. So, what are kind of any hobbies or just things that interest you that are disconnected from the artistic work that you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've always done crafts mm-hmm. as well as fine art. Mm-hmm. Um, along the way, I've made glass beads and jewelry, mm, nice. and um, now really the only thing I have time for is knitting, which I love oh, doing, yeah. which my mom did, and she passed away this last year, oh, and so yeah. there's a special place for that for me of connecting to her through knitting. Like I was yeah. at, on vacation at the beach knitting, and I was like, oh my god, I've, I'm my mom, <laughs> wow. I'm knitting at the beach. Um, <laughs> lovely. But so... That sort of thing, like still mm. working with my hands and making things, but yeah. uh, f- from a different channel mm-hmm. of my energy. But also cooking and um, kitchen stuff with my daughter. We both love to cook and bake. Yeah. And I know you're That's great. very interested yes, in that as well. Yes, I am. So I that. That's great. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Well, where would you direct people to find your work? Um, mostly online. <laughs> yeah, well, I do have a website, mm-hmm. which is shaunacaplow.com. Mm-hmm. And um, that's probably the best place to find my work or to connect with me if you want to email me or um, you can do so through the website. Perfect. Well, that will be in the the show notes for this. Excellent. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Shana. This has been really a lovely conversation. Thank you, Ruby. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. links to Shauna's work and to what we talked about in this episode, check out the show notes at rubyjosephine.com. You can also follow the podcast at Process Peace on Instagram or me for my personal work or just to hang out and chat at rubyjosephinesmith on Instagram. If you've been enjoying Process Peace, please spread the creative love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing this podcast with a friend or on social media. Let's start more conversations about art. Thank you to Cooper Lee Smith for composing the amazing music for this podcast. And thank you all for listening, especially if you've been here since episode one. So until next time. Thank you.